Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. series called Foundations, where we have been discussing the very foundation of our faith and how it looks in our daily lives. And we're not going through the creeds, we're not going through articles of faith, we're going through um, really the most simple thing that we could, we, we have come up with together in the past six years. Growing Christ, loving people, making disciples. And that's the statement that we have said every single Sunday for the past six years. You're probably like, why does he say that all the time? Because that's what we're about. That's our mission. It's the foundation of of how we uh, follow uh, Christ together. It's how we come together. It's how we're unified together. And over the past few weeks, we've we've established that growing in Christ is, is being reborn, that a center of our lives have to be with Jesus, it's not just a simple, hey, I believe Jesus is Lord, and then you go about your day and, you know, go and smack somebody that you don't like. It means a life change. It means the very center of your life is different, and God begins to transform you. You grow. Last week, we talked about how he grows us. He grows us to love people, and not just the people who are easy to love, like our family members and our friends and our church family. He calls us to love our enemies, which is radically different than what a lot of worldviews hold. And and I shared with you that today's foundation, this very last foundation, is right there with loving people. You cannot do today's foundation without loving people. And you cannot love people without doing today's foundation. These are These are integral pieces of what our lives of faith are to be. So if you claim Jesus as Lord, if you want to follow him, you are living out these foundations. And as I looked at this foundation this week, I saw a word that I wasn't expecting to see. (laughs) And it really, because my wife is a teacher... It immediately took me to listening to my wife's day. (laughs) I am amazed at lifelong teachers. Teaching is a difficult profession. I am amazed at the tenacity and the dedication of career teachers because you are given other people's children who have completely different lives than what you live, who have different backgrounds than what you have, and you as a person have to meet them where they are and offer them an education. Grammar, math, history, geography. Oh my goodness, my ninth grade geography class was terrible. We had a test on Oceana. Have you ever looked at Oceana? No, none of you have, exactly. I have, and I forgot it. 
Anyways, that was ninth grade. Either case, teachers will tell you, though, you can find the very best teacher in the entire world who, who knows how to engage children, who know how to engage people, even, to meet people right where they are. There are different kinds of needs. They can give out the perfect homework assignment. They can repeat themselves the appropriate amount of times. They can have the best style. They can engage the visual and the oral and the kinesthetic styles of learning. It does not mean their students are going to learn anything. And they will admit that. Because at some point, the student has to meet the child right there. And that can be their own fault. That could be a whole slew of things. That could be difficulties accepting new information and things like that. I have people in my own family who, who aren't on the same level intellectually because that is how they are. They have, they have disorders that keep them from being able to learn in that way. But if we're just going on the average kid, that kid at some point has to say, yes, I am going to do the homework assignment. I am going to learn this. I'm going to study for the test. I am going to have to do these things. And a teacher has no control over that whatsoever. They can say, hey, do this. It's up to the kid. And you might be reminded of, of a very key foundation that has been woven throughout this entire series that, that this reality just brings to life. It's called free will. Stinking free will. People don't do what you want them to do all the time. Amen. We learned in our very first week that God created us to love him, to follow him, to accept his boundaries, but he also created us without force. He always gave it to us. Whether or not we wanted to live within the life and the creative purpose that he gave us. And the last foundation that we will learn about today is the last commandment that Jesus will give. And free will is a part of this. And it's the hardest thing, I think, for us as humans to accept, just as much as it's difficult sometimes for teachers to teach kids, for us as parents to, child, do the right thing. La, 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 la. For our siblings and our parents and our friends. That looms large in all of this. And Jesus has given us the exact way he wants us to live out this commandment. So don't just hear the commandment today. Understand the way this commandment is to be lived. We will be in Matthew chapter 28 today. And this last commandment that Jesus gives to those who follow him, disciples, is really the last thing that he says to them in a physical manner. Right after this moment, Jesus ascends into heaven. But you need to understand that 
before he gives this commandment. The only reason he can give this commandment is because of the events that happened beforehand. Jesus was sentenced to death by religious authorities and the Roman government. He died. And then three days later, he did something that no human has ever done. He was raised. Not by somebody else, because remember, Jesus actually raised Lazarus. Now, he didn't need anybody to come up to his tomb and say, come on out. He raised from the dead in that moment. And all of a sudden, all the things that Jesus had ever said about who he is began to make more sense. When he claimed to be the son of God, when he claimed to be God incarnate, when he claimed all these things, people were like, you're nuts. Not so nuts anymore. And so he gathers his disciples. And in his presence, he gives them this commandment, this mission. And this commandment, this mission is built on something. It is built on this, the hope and celebration of the resurrection is the foundation and invitation for this commandment. Jesus would not give this commandment if he wouldn't have done what he said he would do. This commandment is the Great Commission. And he reminds us what we are to do as disciples. Not just to believe and not just to have a different moral and not just to have a different way of relating with people, but we are called to do something explicitly in this world. And he has invited us to be a part of it. Read with me Matthew 28, beginning with verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I have received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. You might think to yourself, wow, Jesus, throwing your weight around. I have been given all authority in all of heaven and earth. I feel like you're a little full of yourself now, Jesus, don't you? Jesus does this not out of vanity. He doesn't do this out of arrogance. It is a reminder that everything that has transpired has shown him to be the very person that he said he was. When he says to his disciples, because some disciples ask explicitly, hey, God, how do we know who the Father is? He goes, you have seen me. You have seen the Father. I think sometimes we forget that. We get, we get stuck with, you know, searching through Scripture and seeing how people behave and things like that. And we might say, okay, God wants us to behave like this. No, no, stop. Did Jesus act like that? Jesus has been given all the authority of heaven and on earth. If you want to see God the Father, then you will look at Jesus. 
humans to this point have seen God work through miraculous things, and there are different interpretations, and we've fumbled through the dark. Really, is this really who God is like? Is this really the, the God who created us, who sustains this world, all of these things? Jesus lays it to rest. When he raised again from the grave and beat the very thing that every single one of us are subjected to, not just humans, but even creatures, he beats it. He has shown that he is God incarnate. And so he reminds them of this authority, and when he gives this command, he's saying something. You can trust me. You can trust everything that I have given you is the way to live, is the way to bring goodness into the world, is the way for the world to experience God. But the fact that Jesus gives them a commandment after the resurrection, it's not just a big party. Woo! Resurrection party! My, my daughter would lead us in a dance party at that. New thing now. Oh, my Lanta. Dance party. And we're just like. Jesus doesn't make it just about coming together and celebrating. He gives every single person who wants to follow him a mission. Which tells us something. And this is good news. This is really good news. Because some of us think, oh, yeah, Jesus raised from the grave. And that was it. And great. Woo, yeah. Jesus isn't done with this world. M. Eugene Boring says it so perfectly. The resurrection is not Jesus' final accomplishment. Praise be to God. Because if it was all about that, goodness gracious, where would we be today? So the command that he gives is simple. Go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. Not Jewish people are not the only people who can be disciples, because all of them are Jews. People who do not look like you can be disciples. People who have completely different backgrounds and different religions can be disciples. You are to go into all of the peoples and make disciples. And I want you to notice that he doesn't say, pastors, go and make disciples of all nations. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say archbishops or bishops or popes. It doesn't say, most eloquent speakers, go and make disciples of all nations. No, 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 no. This is every single disciple. Every disciple. This is a commandment to the 11 original, the other disciples who are here in this moment, and the command to us. Go and make disciples. There is, not a, there is not an option here. It is disciples make disciples. It's what we do. And when we hear the word disciples make disciples, it's not about conversion where people are like, oh yeah, they just got to say that Jesus is Lord. No, we make people who change the very center of their being from themselves or their families or their nations, whatever it is, and their center is Christ alone. And their lives begin to change, and you know what we do? We journey along 
inside them. I think one of the worst things that have happened in the past five decades is this idea that, well, once you bring somebody to Jesus, you're good to go. You got to make them just pray this prayer and they're evangelized and they're coming to heaven with us. It is a life change. Think about the moment that you rode your bike when you were a kid. Did your parents put you on there first time? Showed you what to do? All right, go on. And then they're just like, see ya, going in the house. No. They walked and ran alongside of you for so long. Making disciples is a journey. It is not just a belief change. And so many evangelical things that we have put into our minds. Man, I got I to gotta tell them the Romans road. I got to tell them these, these particular scriptures. They have to have this change. No, it's, it's beyond. It's from that moment on. Shania Twain just popped in my head. From this moment on, you are with them as they become more like Christ. You heard that at your wedding yesterday, right? Guaranteed wedding song from this moment on. Anyways. And the beautiful thing of it is, is that he explicitly says how to make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Okay. They come to know Jesus. They're baptized. Great. And then teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them everything that I have commanded you, my disciples, present disciples. And all of a sudden, you're worried because we just talked about the difficulty of teaching. Because teaching is, well, more than just hearing a guy get up on a platform every Sunday and hear something from Scripture, isn't it? Teaching is seeing and modeling and experiencing and, yes, listening. And to teach what Jesus has commanded is to just simply look back at what Jesus commanded and how Jesus lived out that commandment. That's why I said last week is intrinsic on this one. To make disciples means to love like Jesus has loved you. How did Jesus love? Well, we say it often. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. He released captives. He welcomed strangers and sinners and the lonely. He forgave people. He taught radical forgiveness. Somebody steals your coat, give them your tunic, too. Somebody smacks you in the face, give them the other cheek. He lived this out explicitly, and he showed us the love that he wants us to have ourselves. And so you and I are called to make disciples, and you know how you make disciples? You love people. You love people in the way that Jesus has loved you.
But immediately my brain goes to, but the free will. People won't accept my love sometimes. Yep. What if people don't want to learn about Jesus? Yep. <laughs> love them. What if they actively try to go against the way that Jesus has taught us to live? Love them. Do you see where the love your enemies comes into play here? This is the freedom that Jesus has given to us. Because every single time a gift is given, it's up to the person to receive it. This is the freedom that God has given us from the very beginning of this creation. Somebody can say no. He does not force it. And he does not expect his followers to force it onto other people when we make disciples. And you want to know how I know this? You know, you know how I know that there is a non-force forceful moment here it's all the way back in verse 17 they saw him and they worshipped him but some doubted now doubt here isn't like I can't believe what I'm seeing doubt is this it is the risky wavering of deciding what is good and what is true can you imagine actually being there in the moment and you hear Jesus say, go and make disciples of all nations. Can you think about some of your own prejudices? Prejudices that they might have and say, wait a minute, you want me to go where? Huh? People who have been oppressing my people? There to, to join this whole thing? That's the kind of doubts we're talking about. Or maybe the doubts to say, well, Jesus, when you say Love people and love your enemies. Really? Is that really going to be the best way of going about this? That's the kind of doubts that they have. And these are legitimate things that they and the church historically and the church right now is continuously in tension with. The reason why the church sometimes looks like the mess that we are is, quite frankly, we have doubts that what Jesus said is actually the way we're supposed to live. And I know this because I am a 21st century American Christian and I have seen the church lean into ways outside of love to try and make disciples. And it ain't working. You know why it ain't working? Because it's not what Jesus told us to do and to be. good news is this there's people who doubt do you see jesus go how dare you not trust me he doesn't marginalize them he doesn't chastise them he doesn't even criticize them friends the presence of doubts i have a, yeah there's a slide for this it's a few ahead the presence of doubts friends shows the non-forceful nature of making disciples 
These disciples in their brains are like, but, 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 he still says, go and make disciples of all nations. But I'm not perfect. Go and make disciples of all nations. But I'm not sure about this. Go and make disciples of all nations. You don't have to have it all figured out because being a disciple is a journey. You and I, when we go out and make disciples, must remember that we make disciples by loving people, not by forcing them to do anything, not by legislating anything, not by having a pity party when people do things that we don't like. Because faith is not legislation. Faith is not a belief system to work in consequences and say, hey, if you don't do, that's, that's called force, that's coercion. You ever heard of manipulation? That's manipulation. This is good news that your life can be different that the center of what your life has been doesn't have to be it. It can be good. It can be holy. It can be Jesus Christ. And when we look to ways of force to make disciples, I'll go ahead and say it. We doubt Jesus. We doubt Jesus. When we force others, this is a slide here too, when we force others to believe or act instead of teach as commandment, we show our doubt that Jesus holds authority over heaven and earth. We doubt his ways, love, truth. We doubt his mission. Yeah, they're going to hell anyways. We doubt Jesus as Lord. So friends, you and I are called to make disciples. We make disciples by loving people. And when that love is so evident in the way that we treat even the worst people who have been the worst to us, people notice. And whenever somebody talks to you about faith, you get to share, you don't have to share every single Bible verse, perfect thing, you just share what Christ has done for you. Christ forgave me. Christ helped me forgive the person who abused me when I was a kid. Christ helped me get out of this addiction that I've been in for 20 years. Christ repaired my marriage even though I was the one who cheated. Christ is the one who has saved me and transformed me and offered me life when nobody else would. That's how you make disciples. You say, I love you. Even if you, if you think what I'm saying is hogwash, even if you think that I'm a crazy person, I love you, and I want to be in your life, and I want to journey with you. And that doesn't mean that we're always going to have distinct agreements on everything because Jesus has called me to live a different life when he saved me.
We make disciples not by being the perfect non-sinners. We don't make disciples by debating and winning that argument. We don't make disciples by any of these ways. We make disciples by loving others as he has loved us. We serve the people who have hurt us. We give to people whenever we have been given nothing. And we model Jesus in our very lives so that people don't, just don't hear us whenever we say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus. They see it in our lives. They can visually see it. They experience it. When you walk into a room, it's not you, it's Christ in you that affects the people around you. That's how we teach others what Christ has commanded us. We live as Jesus lived and loved us. Many of you know how my, well, you've already experienced it today. My brain has thousands of things in its databanks. I love information. I do. Like, pray, like anytime we go on vacation, pray for my wife. I'm like, where are we going to go? What are we going to research? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have to go buy a lawnmower here in the next few weeks. I'm already driving my wife crazy. Ooh, this one's really good. My college roommates. I, I was able to, to get a, 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 remember when flat screens were brand new? I was able, I, I got some gifts. I saved up some money. I, I was the one who got the flat panel for my roommates and I. I was insufferable for weeks figuring out which one I was going to get. That's who I am. And sometimes when it comes to the scriptures, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to theology and stuff like that, goodness gracious, it just feeds me. Oh, I love it. I love learning something new. I love hearing everything about it. But you know what? That's not been the most effective teacher of love in my life. It would be my mom. It'd be my grandmother. Their eyes, like if I would go and talk, to, I'm going to see my mom this afternoon. If I start talking about theology, I know whenever she's done with it, the eyes glaze over. It's like, okay, sorry, sorry, mom. But she knows how to love. She knows how to forgive people. She knows how to go the extra mile for people. Sure, is she, is she perfect? No. Mom, if you're watching this, you're not perfect. I love you. Just like I'm not perfect. But she has shown me willing to go the extra mile for people. People she doesn't know, people who might see her as something other than she isn't. It's not about the, the theological statements and knowing scripture inside and out and understanding the historical context and everything. All of this is about Loving people and making disciples. It's entirely relational.
And you and I learn from each other who are not perfect, who have doubts. You've learned from me over these six years. You've come up and told me that. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Guess what? I got doubts. I have fallen into temptation. But you are becoming a better follower of Christ. And I'm not perfect. Just like I have become a better disciple of Christ by our conversations, and you're not perfect. And you have doubts. You don't have to have it all together. You have to be willing to journey with people and point them to Christ in everything. Because this faith that we have been given has been given to save the world. The whole thing. Not just a certain section. The whole thing. And Christ has called each and every one of us to love and make disciples. And as we do it, we will grow in him and he will transform us and he will lead us. So I hope over these six years, you didn't just learn something from me. I hope and pray that I've modeled Christ to you in ways that you had not seen before. Because you have to me. And I can't thank you enough for that. But it can't stop here. Just because God has called us to another church doesn't mean that that commandment goes away. Make disciples of all nations. Teaching them what Christ has commanded us. Love people. Serve Give, be authentic, be forgiving, be holy, be loving, be truthful. Be who he has made you to be. And this community will transform. And people will come to know, Lord, and begin to follow. Let us pray together. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.